welcome back to the Sunday Roast. How's it going, guys? How the hell are you? How was your week? Are you surviving? I am, like, just about surviving, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. I found this week particularly difficult. I'm sure a lot of you are the same. I'm just exhausted by all of this. And I'm overwhelmed. It's just a weird, weird feeling. So, yeah, I hope you're all hanging in there. And on that note, thank you so much to everybody who's taken the time to message me and to review the podcast and stuff. Like, this is the last of your concerns at the moment, so... From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. It makes a tremendous difference to my spirit and my sense of well-being and my source of happiness. So you are the source of my happiness. Probably should work on that a little bit because if these things go wrong and I get cancelled, then I'm goosed. Suffice to say, thank you so much. And to everybody who is, you know, subscribed to the Patreon, I owe you the world. Who knows where this could go? Like, if you haven't subscribed to the Patreon... Please consider it. You're making such a difference. And like, if you want to see the live shows, like we never, we don't know where this might, what this might lead to. Bit of TV maybe. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, please consider it. Patreon.com forward slash Mark Megan. I would really, really appreciate it. So yeah, this week I've been desperately trying to find, you know, the positives. Some of those are the fact that I'm actually two weeks off the booze now. I'm halfway there. I'm halfway to my monthly target of going 30 days without booze. So that's a positive. I've started exercising, which is okay. I've yet to get that sort of like rush of dopamine or the release of endorphins that's apparently going to bring me to this Nirvana-esque tranquil state. But I'm going to continue. I'm going to persist. I'm basically in this moment where I'm going to do everything different the way that I previously did it in my life in the hopes that that's going to sort of garnish some transformative results. In order to do this and achieve this, I've been looking for inspiration everywhere I go within my two-kilometre radius. One of the places that I've been finding and deriving some inspiration and motivation is the Jordan documentary. Have we all been watching the Jordan documentary? Absolutely incredible. Like, incredible. I genuinely believe that, like, watching that has lifted me and sort of made me go, okay, you need to be better. You need to be much more on your shit. You need to smash it. Get up earlier in the morning. Stop complaining. Stop blaming everybody else for your own shortcomings. Incredible. I mean, looking at Jordan, like what Jordan can do with those basketballs, it's absolutely ludicrous. That is a real champion. That is athleticism. And I know you could get bogged down in the whole, she had a baby with Dwight York and she broke up a Peter Andre, but come on. Do you know what I mean? Another little thing that I've been doing in my exercise is I've been going to this health food store near my house for a coffee after my run every morning. And I realized when I went in on Friday that they also do smoothies. And fortunately, by the way, they're smoothies that are just called by the normal names like orange or apple. They're not called Sesky Disco Front Bunch and Passion Power and all that nonsense. So I was like, okay, as a treat on the weekend, I'm going to get myself a smoothie after my run. So I went down yesterday, finished my run, went in and I ordered a smoothie. And this is where things began to go a little bit awry, okay? I walked in, I ordered the smoothie, and then I stood outside while the smoothie was being made. And the reason for that, obviously, is because every single health store in the world seems to smell like a fucking pet shop. What is that? What is going on there? 
Are they literally getting like pedigree chum and smearing it across the air conditioning? Because it just smells like a cat's bloody bottom every single place. So anyway, I went outside and I lit up a smoke, okay? I had my earphones in listening to tunes, a bit of pop contemporary R&B music, okay? And then the owner came out and I could tell out of the corner of my eye that he was talking to me. And you know yourself, that's one of the problems, you know? You go out into the world... And one of the pitfalls of it is that you have to sort of like talk to people. I know. I know. It's not easy. It's not easy, is it? We're out here doing Trojan work, talking to people. So anyway, the guy starts chatting to me and I lift out my earphones and I was like, sorry? And he was like, nothing like hammering a big old smoke straight after doing a run. And I was like, you know, just to engage, just to do my civic duty, I responded to him. And I said, yeah, yeah, hash your look. Bit of balance, you know, everything in moderation. And then he goes, yeah. Then there was a slight pause. And do you know what he said? Especially weed and pussy. Oh, I nearly fainted. I honestly nearly fainted. I had to grip on to the railing outside the shop. I was assaulted. I felt penetrated by his bloody words. Weed and pussy. You're the owner of a health food store, mate. Fucking hell. I mean, first and foremost, I don't smoke weed. And secondly, go on. Do you know what I mean? Ridiculous. The last thing that I've learned about exercising, by the way, and I'm not going to become preachy, don't worry, but the one thing that I've learned is when you go out for like a run or a cycle or a walk or whatever it is that you do to exert yourself, right? When you reach that point that, and it feels like you can't go any further, don't. No, stop. Literally stop. Turn around and go home. That's your body's way of telling you you've overextended yourself and it's time to call yourself an Uber or your mum and see if she can collect you from C-Point. Pretend that you've pulled a muscle and then get driven home. about this transformative time that I'm hopefully going through at the moment made me take a little walk, a saunter down memory lane. Mammary lane, am I right? No, you're wrong. Mammary lane. Mark, what does that even matter? Well, like you're referring to breasts, but like this is why you're single, by the way. Because you say things like mammary lane. This is why you don't have a girlfriend. Because you use the most horrendous terminology to talk about anything sexual. Fair enough. I was sleeping with the, I slept with a girl last year. First and last time I had sex. Slept with a girl last year. And when we were finished, you know, four and a half seconds later, she said to me, you know, I've never slept with a comedian before. And what I did was, I then referred to myself as Drilly Connolly. Why do they always do that? Why do they always do that, comedians? Always. No, but you know what I mean? I referred horrible. Anyway. Let's get back to brass bloody tax. I was talk, thinking about, you know, memory lane and different things that we did. One of the most absurd things that is a rite of passage for Irish children, usually teenagers, but in Cavan, you're probably like eight when this sort of stuff happens. But drinking in fields. Do you remember this? Like drinking in fields. I remember as a child looking at my older brother and sister and thinking, I used to think like once I hit the teenage years, that's me as an adult. 
Like, I'm a proper confirmed adult. It's going to be the glitz. It's going to be the glamour. I'm going to be going to cocktail bars. I'm going to be like Carrie fucking Bradshaw in my teenage years. Not quite the way it rolled out, though, is it? Like, standing in a field with your friends, drinking, switching hands that hold the ice-cold can of beer you don't even want to drink. Do you know what I mean? Holding back tears as you're forced to down a nagging of straight vodka. What were we thinking? Uh, guys, like, do we not have anything to chase this straight vodka with? Sure thing. We can offer you a glass of teenage despair or perhaps a pint of the reality that childhood is now over. The glory days are gone, baby. The best way to harness that horror of life punching you in the face? Punch somebody else in the face, of course. Drinking in fields. It was the most awful thing in the world. And it was also so weird because, do you ever get, like, we were, we were like 13 or 14 when this was happening, or 15. So we, had, we all had, like, curfews. So this would be going on in the middle of the day. It'd be like 2 o'clock. And you'd be absolutely belubas drunk in this field. Like, insanely depressing. And then you'd come home, it'd be like 6 o'clock, and you'd be at a family dinner. And your eyes would be rolling in the back of your fucking head. Totally outrageous. I don't know how we got away with it. Not all of us did. Not all of us did. Yeah? Because you know what I was thinking? Did you ever notice growing up that it was always the most good-looking people's parents who were the most strict? Like, which I sort of understand, okay? I, I mean, they don't want their child getting into trouble or getting, you know, violated in any capacity. But then it also begs the question, does that mean that the sort of ugly people's parents were really happy for them to go out? Like, does that mean the ugly people's parents, like, you know, took one look at saying, Mwerin? Do you know what I mean? Ah, she's probably good. She'll probably be safe enough. It was always the ugly kids that were allowed to stay out the latest. I, I think she'll be, I think she's grand. Yeah, I don't think we've got too much to be concerned about, do we, Declan? No, no. Uh, Mum, what time should I uh, come home at? Ah, Sometime, I suppose. Oh, well, like all of the other girls' curfews are like 9.30, so... Ju- ah, in the morning? And now, Mum, in the night? Ah, yeah, I'll just... Just, like, do these parents hate their children? Ah, just, just come home when, whenever, really. It's truly astonishing. Well, Mum, like, some of these kids, you know, like, some of these kids are going to be drinking. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Uh, do, what do you want? Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, because, like, I'm 14, I probably shouldn't be allowed... Be drinking. Ah, yeah, no, no. Declan, do we have any of that absinthe? You know, in the fridge there. You know the one that we got in the airport on the way back from skiing? Always the ugly kids who could stay out the latest. Do you know? <laughs> very, very strange. Drinking in fields. It was all about loyalty. Because we're such herds. We all moved in herds. You know, it was the girls versus the boys back then. Certainly where I grew up. But there was a big sense of community. You know, we were part of something. We belonged. This bond could not be broken by no man. It was us against the world. Until, of course, those famous two words were uttered, which would break even the strongest of men in Guantanamo. These two words would eradicate the allegiance between brothers. These two words could start wars. Those two words? Sketch. Guards. Yeah. 
One time, I literally headbutted a girl I was kissing in a park by accident because I was in such a flurry and haste to get away from that heat. The fear of God would run through you. Every man, woman and child for themselves, like you would quite willingly watch the girl you were kissing get wrongfully arrested, thrown into the back of a paddy, ga- paddy van and given the fucking electric chair if it meant you not getting caught by your parents. Like, we were only 14 years of age. We would have, my arse would have been raw if I got caught by the heat. Absolutely, like, horrendous trouble I would have been in. I remember, I think my worst experience in a field, like the worst ever. These, these, these aren't really memories as much as just, like, nightmares gone by. I remember one time I got set up with this girl in a field, uh, the Smurfit Field in Black Rock, um, near Avoca Park. And... I remember I'd already had like five cans of druids, you know, and some fat frog. Oh, by the way, surely the people in these marketing departments knew that they were making booze designed for children. No self-respecting adult is going to order something called scrumpy fucking Jack or a uh, fat frog. But anyway, I was there. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon. I'd had five druids, a bit of a nagging and some fat frog. All I wanted to do was to be at home with, like, a pint of purple Calpol and a fresh pair of dry nights. But no, no. Muggins Megan was convinced. Well, I mean, I say convinced. What I really mean is coerced, forced by the lads to go and kiss this girl. I mean, I could barely walk. I was so drunk. She wasn't much better either. I stumble over to her and we start kissing, right? But midway through the kiss, chemistry was beginning to unfold. Not sexual. Gastronomical. Yeah. I knew that something was going wrong. I knew that I was going to get sick. But, but, because I have a crippling fear of vomiting, I did my best to hold it in. And that's always a mistake. That is literally always a mistake. For any of you out there, like me, who hate getting sick, it's always, you know, like it's always much better to grab the bowl by the horns and just let it out of you. Otherwise, you're just prolonging the nightmare. And also, you know you're absolutely goose when you can feel the sides of your mouth fill up with water. You know, like the little bally gown in the sides of your salivic tract or whatever. Like, that's when you know you're fucked. So anyway, I was standing there, swaying in the moonlight, drunk, fucking nauseous, dizzy, sort of horny. And the next thing you know, boom, I start getting sick in her face. I swear on my life this happened. It was in a field and I'm just standing there and everybody's watching. What a horrible thing to happen. I'm literally projectile vomiting in her face, but I'm trying to like hold it and put it out of the sides of my mouth, of the sides of my mouth, like a sprinkler instead of the front. I look like the Trevi Fountain. I literally look like the Trevi Fountain. So we're standing there and then I like, she breaks away from me. And all I remember is like stumbling back to the guys, trying to wipe my face, still getting sick and like reaching out at people while they all backed away. It was like that scene the Godfather, you know when John, Johnny Fontaine comes into Don Corleone and he's asking for help, and then he starts crying, and Don Corleone is like, "Take a good look at yourself, man." That was like me reaching out to people for help. Everyone just backing away, and then yeah, you did hear somebody shout from the back of the group, "He looks like the fucking Trevi Fountain," which is apparently the funniest joke the lads have ever heard, and the girls, because the guffaws that emerged from their mouths can only be described as orchestral. The fuckers, you could probably hear them in fucking hope. And speaking of those guys, by the way, I always wonder, whatever happened to the real cool, tough guys who could open a bottle of beer with their teeth? 
Not exactly the smartest cookies in the world, were they? Most of them probably have more penalty points now than they got in their fucking leaving cert. to teenage terror is the free gaff. If you were lucky enough to have somebody dysfunctional enough to allow you drink in his house at the age of 14, that's when the real trouble would kick off. Although there, there was a fine line between wanting to drink in someone's house, but then that person's house, that was a little bit too scary for you to go there. Do you, do you ever have one of those guys? He was always like a little bit older than us. But And you'd be standing in like a, a dripping wet field in November. And even then, at the ripe young age of 14, you'd know that that was more wise to stay there rather than go back to his house. Because that's when stuff would really happen. You know those sort of people there, a little bit weird. Like, you'd open, you'd, you'd go to his house and his mum would answer the door, like, in her dressing gown. You know the type. Like, she opens the door, and literally a few cats would fall out of her dressing gown. You're literally leaking cats, Barbara. Come on in, boys. Plenty of room on the couch. I've got some vodka on the freezer. Okay, you should have put your eggs in the freezer, because you've literally given birth to a biscuit. Do you know what I mean? I've just seen him open up a bottle of wine with his tongue. But yeah, so you have to be careful about the sort of free gaffes that you go to. There was a great guy, there was a guy in our year, absolutely brilliant guy, Seamus, okay? He was the most liberal human being with house parties the world has ever known. His mum would literally go out to do a weekly shop and he'd be initiating Project X. Absolutely insane. And he was also a little bit disturbed because he'd invariably be like encouraging us to trash his own house. Like, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. One night we were in his house, and this is one of the bigger parties, okay? And you ever get when you go into a free gaff, and there's the usual things, like there's people in the kitchen, there's people outside, there's people in the living room. The girls and the guys are sort of split up at the start, but then as the evening unfolds, they begin to, they begin to sort of uh, integrate, you know? And you might go upstairs, and like there's, say, three rooms, and behind each door... It's like a Narnia into sort of teenage angst. You know what I mean? Like door number one would be relatively standard. Like a couple fornicating or watching some jock haphazardly try and unclasp a girl's bra. Door number two was a little bit more harrowing. It was usually just like a solitary girl crying. And you'd be like, oh, everything. Get out! Okay, okay, I'm gone. And then door number three would door number three is always like the mystery door do you ever get that door number three sometimes would be like two to three guys like in in the parents room rifling in a drawer and you'd like open the door and as soon as you did they'd be like shut the fuck up fuck off fuck off you're like okay what are you what are you doing rifling through the parents sock drawer as if you're gonna find sapphire and diamonds very, very weird. And then there's always that time in the evening in a free gap as well, where like a rough group of lads would arrive to the house. No, Finbar, you go out and tell them. Like all of us little pansies would be like drawing the short straws. Who's going to go out and deal with the trouble? You know what I mean? 
And then eventually somebody would pluck up their courage and, hi, fellas, uh, anything I can help you with? And all the guys would just storm in and then it would be very tense for the rest of the evening. But yeah, we were in that house one time and our friend, whose house it was, was encouraging us to trash his own house. At one point, and this is when I remember like, oh, I just wish I was at home. I'm too young for this. This is way too much now. This is mental. I should just be at home with my dad, watching gladiators, having a good fella's pizza. This is what Friday night should be. Instead, I walk into the living room and I literally see Seamus, who owns the fucking house, by the way, getting a chant going, down it, down it. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's going to drink. Will it be a pint of beer? Will it be a pint of stout? Maybe a shot of vodka? No, it's going to be a pet goldfish. He's literally swallowing his own fish. Like, the lengths that people would go to for validation. I remember one evening in Seamus's house, okay, he had a younger sibling who wasn't, thankfully, wasn't around the night of the house. I don't know what age his baby was, but, like, it was a baby because they were still in nappies. And he found, like, in the bin, in the bathroom, like, a used nappy. And he came out, and we were in his room, and he just started, like, whipping the nappy around over his head, okay? And everyone was, like, scattering, like, ah, ah. And he was, like, whipping the nappy around. And it was, like, I've never seen a more accurate depiction of somebody shitting where he sleeps, like, absolutely absurd. And then there was another guy, I don't know if you ever got this, but there was always one person who would fucking, like, do a pee in the kettle or something. Like, depraved behaviour. But there was this guy we knew, I think he went to Terranure, kickboxing champion of Ireland, 02 to 012. But he'd always come to a free gaff and like do a wee in the kettle and then he'd boil coca noodles and like throw the noodles all around the kitchen. What are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? It's just really mean. And actually one time, the reason why I'm really pissed off about that was I tried to coin the nickname for this guy because he was such a tyrant and a terrorist. I said, lads, we should start calling him Paul Pot Noodle. Am I right? No. Went massively underappreciated. Yet, Seamus, because he threw the nappy around, people started calling him Adolf Schickler. And that gets lots of laughs. Come on, just yet another miscarriage of justice in my youth. so much for listening to the Sunday Roast really really means a lot guys thank you to everyone who's uh, subscribed to the Patreon please consider it if you haven't done so already I can't say much now but I can say one thing in that there is going to be a big big announcement on May the 6th so please keep that note in your diaries If you're not subscribed to the Patreon, I maybe would because I think it's going to be released there first. But yeah, just look after yourselves. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Please share with your friends. Let people know. Make some noise if you like the show. And uh, yeah, take care. See you next week. Be good.
was thinking would be literally the most annoying thing in the world. Like, that they should introduce this instead of the death penalty. Imagine if you were stuck in a room and they just played the opening bar of 50 Cent Candy Shop on loop forever until you lost your mind. Like, there's never a break. It just kept... Every time you thought it was going to go... Boom, it just stopped. 